Let's pray together. Precious God, we thank you so much that you brought us here today and that you give us these words so that we're reminded so much over and over of how scripture promises that when we dwell on your name, you're there and that you have saved us and that you gave your life and you sacrificed yourself and you laid your life down for ours. God, we thank you so much for these reminders this morning. And we ask that right now you just calm our hearts and calm our minds so that we're ready to learn what you have us learn today. We love you so much, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Thank you all for coming and being here today and being part of this, this time of worship. It is good to see everyone here. We are doing our next to the last segment of our Stewart-filled stewardship message. And today we are looking at Matthew 25, beginning with verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to their abilities. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two talents gained two more. But he who received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to them, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you were a hard man reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered. And I was afraid and, and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have even what they have will be taken away. Cast this unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you today knowing very well that we are yours, that you have loved us enough to give us life. You have blessed us with good lives. You have blessed us with hopeful opportunities. You have blessed us with the chance to make a difference. We pray, O oh God, as we gather in this place, that we will look to you with the sense of wonder and hope and awe and that we will do our best to learn from you what you would have us glean from these words. Let it be so today, O Lord, for it's in your name we pray. Amen. 
This passage of scripture that we're looking at today was a, is an unusual passage of scripture to us, but it was not unusual at all to the people back in that day. Most big business people back then took trade journeys. They would either go sell their goods or they would go buy goods that they were going to bring back and sell. Most of the time when these big business people went on these trade journeys, they either went to Rome or to Ephesus because those were the two big marketplaces in the Roman Empire. Empire. You couldn't get to either one of those from Israel in a short period of time. At best, it took a few days to get to those places. And usually these journeys that these big business people would take would, would last anywhere from several weeks to sometimes several months. And quite often when these people took these journeys, they brought their primary servants together. They put them in charge while they were gone. And they would quite often divide up various pieces of the business between between those servants because they wanted to try to find out who was the, who would be their best producers in their business. Jesus knew very well the system. He had watched it all of his life. And so he took that process and he turned it into a parable. This man that Jesus is talking about had called his servants together. He gave one of them five talents, one two talents, and one one talent, each according to their abilities. And then he went on his trip. And that's where we come to point number one in this message. The first point of this parable is life is a trust that we are given by God. And it's our job to make something out of what he has entrusted to us. The dictionary defines trust as a legal agreement where one person administers the affairs of another person for their benefit. I did a funeral a few years ago. There was a woman who had once come to this church. She was the daughter of some, a wealthy family that lived in this area. She had made some very poor choices in the course of her life, and she had some emotional problems. So her parents set up a trust fund that was administered by the bank. She couldn't go get the money and just spend it on frivolous things or on something that was foolish. The trust fund was designed that it was invested so it would produce what she needed for the rest of her life. This woman wasn't always happy about that trust fund. She wanted to be able to get that money and use it for what she wanted to, but it gave her a good living for her entire existence. Life is a trust. It's designed to be invested invested for our good, for the good of the world around us, and for God. And that is what Jesus was saying in the parable that we are looking at today. A certain man set up a trust. He gave one man five talents, one two, and one one. And, and you need to understand here, a talent was a lot of money. It was basically bags of gold, and it was equal to about 15 years of the average salary of the average worker, which means even even the one-talent guy in this passage had a lot of money to try to take care of. Today, we don't think of talents as being money. We think of talents as being abilities. She was a talented athlete. He was a talented musician. But the point is that it doesn't matter whether it's money or whether it's our abilities. God has given all of us the gift of life. It's a sacred trust, and he expects us to do a good job of investing our lives while we are here on earth. And that's the second point of this parable. Life isn't just a trust. It's supposed to be invested for the good of the world that's around us for our good. 
The one who received five talents went off at once and traded them and made five more. In the same way, the one who received two talents made two more talents. But the one talent man went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Our potential is God's gift to us. What we do with it is our gift to God. Or to say it a different way, we're blessed with the opportunity to invest what God's given us. And the key phrase there is what God has given us. Whether we like hearing it or not, whether we like it or not, everything that we have and everything that we are is a gift from God. And it's our calling to invest at least a tenth of our time, our gifts, and our talents, and our money in building God's kingdom and trying to build his dream for the world through our lives and through our church. Let me read another short passage of scripture to you here, Malachi 3, 8 through 10. Will you rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how are we robbing you? You are robbing God with your tithes and offerings. You are cursed with the curse, for you are robbing me. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse of the Lord and put me to the test. See if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour down an overflowing blessing. Tithe was the Hebrew word that meant a tenth. A tithe was to be a tenth of the produce that people had brought in or the income that they had off of that produce. And it was to be a tenth of of what we had to be able to offer to God. The, The offering that is spoken of here is either the burnt offering that was brought to the temple and and burnt on the altar that would be that would be constructed there or it could also be the tithe of your time that you offered to God to try to work for him and to bring things about a lot of us fail to give what we should because we forget that everything that we have belongs to God. And when we fail to give our time, our talents, and our treasures to God, we're robbing God of what is supposed to be His. And very honestly, we're robbing ourselves as well. And what we need to remember is God's only asked for a tenth. Ninety percent He is leaving for us to be able to live and to, and to work and to do what we need to to do, a lot of us fail because we don't follow that formula and we don't think about it as we go along. In other words, what we give to the church isn't about the church. It isn't about the church staff. It isn't about the ministries that we are doing here. It's all about God. The day we were baptized, we made a commitment. We made a commitment to follow Jesus. We made a commitment to love one another as God has loved us. And we made a commitment to love God through his church. Why? Because Jesus only founded one institution while he was living on this earth, and that institution was the church. Jesus ordained the church to be his instrument of worship, to, for, to be his instrument of hope and healing and helping and fellowship and training and equipping and evangelism and missions and ministry. The church is Jesus' body on earth, and it's our calling to keep that body strong. And the way that we do that is by being committed to keeping Jesus's body healthy. Jesus promised that if we would give of our time and our gifts to the work of his body, that he would bless what he gave us. Jesus said, give and it will be given unto you. 
I've had people say to me, well, I, I give 10%, but I give it to designated funds or, or I, I divide it between the church and, and the Red Cross or the Women's Resource Center or other things like that. Susan and I give to all of those things too. We, we give a good deal of our money to various causes that are out there. But if that's the way we divide our 10%, that's not a tithe. God commanded that we bring our tithes and offerings to the storehouse of the Lord. That was the place of worship. And then the people of faith would come together and they would agree on how that body of believers was going to use those gifts for the good of God's kingdom. In other words, our tithes and offerings are supposed to be a free gift with no strings attached. In God's eyes, it's not a free gift if we try to keep control over how those gifts are used. We're not trusting God to work through his spirit-filled family to do what's right in the glory of God. If you only give your gifts to something that you designated to, then what you're saying is the only thing that's important is what I think is important important. I'm going to support that, but the rest of it doesn't matter because I, I don't like that. That's called robbing God. That's putting us ahead of God, and it's putting us ahead of Christ's body. What we have, what we are, is God's gift. He's loaning it to us for a reason. Some, someday our lives are going to come to an end on this side of the journey. And, and when it does, God is going to ask us what we have done with the life that he loaned to us. Did we invest it or did we produce with it or did we just do what was selfish for us? It's our job to produce something valuable that will last beyond this earth. We're accountable for our investments. What have we done with what we have been given? Let's go back to the story of the three servants. Two of those servants invested very well. Boss was thrilled with what they did. He even invited them, it says, to come into his joy. Basically, that was to become a partner with me in what we are trying to do. But the third servant was very different, and we, and we need to pay very careful attention to something here. The useless servant in this story didn't do a thing to try to intentionally hurt anybody. He wasn't a serial killer. He didn't abuse his family. He he didn't try to swindle anybody. He, he didn't cheat on his wife. He wasn't selling drugs to the middle school. He, he wasn't a pedophile. He wasn't fornicating the streets. This man was not a sinner in the classic way that we think of sin. But Jesus called this man wicked. And I think it's the only time Jesus ever called anybody by that word. Why did he do that? He did that because this man was lazy with the life that he had been given. This man didn't invest his life in anything but his own safety. He didn't risk anything for the good of the world. He didn't risk anything for the good of, of the church. He didn't risk anything for the good of the temple. He didn't risk anything for the good of the people right around him. He didn't risk anything with his life. He didn't do anything to try to expand God's kingdom. He didn't invest the life that he had been given for anything except the safety of himself. He didn't think about his Lord or what his Lord needed. He didn't even think about the other servants and, and what they needed. All he thought about was himself, how to protect himself. 
This man was lazy and selfish, and he didn't appreciate the fact that the Lord had trusted him with something very special. We don't all have the same talents and the same gifts, the same capabilities, but we're all capable of doing something. We're all capable of giving something for God. How are we going to invest it? That investment is important. The church is the body of Christ. If you look at your own body, you'll, you'll notice that you need all of it to actually work the way it's supposed to work. The brain's more important than a kidney, and the heart's more important than a finger, but the body doesn't work well if you don't have all of that working together. You need to invest all of the parts if you're going to have the whole body to be strong and healthy and, and, and make it into the best working organism that it can be. We need our eyes and our toe to be doing what they are supposed to do in order for the body to be productive. Our church needs everybody to invest all of our gifts, all of the time. And we need to do it so we can accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. Back several years ago, we did a capital campaign here in our church. We were buying some land up off North Main Street that we thought we were going to relocate to. One day, I had a college student who came to me, and she said, I don't have as much to give as most of the people in the church do, but last night I sat and I prayed about this, and I think I can give $100 now, and I can pledge $20 a month for the next four years. Do you think that'll be enough to help? I found myself welling up with tears. I gave her a hug and I said, we've got people in this church that could give thousands of dollars to this campaign and they're not doing it. We've had two families leave this church because they didn't want to give anything to this. But you actually sat down and you prayed about this and you're willing to sacrifice to try to help a church that you won't even be a member of four years from now. You have no idea how much you thrilled God by sitting down and praying about this last night, and you have no idea how much you've thrilled your pastor today. It doesn't matter if you're a five-talent person or a two-talent person or a one-talent person. What matters is, are you willing to invest for the glory of God and for the benefit of God's world? Are you doing what you can with what you have been given? And keep in mind, the Scripture doesn't say that what we invest will be just be good for God. It says it'll be good for us as well. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Investing our lives for God is a two-way street. It blesses God and it blesses us. But if we fail, not only does it curse us, but it damages everything. It damages the whole. The business in this story was not nearly as strong as it would have been if the one-talent guy hadn't buried his talent. Life is a responsibility that we either embrace or we reject. We either use it or we lose it. We either honor God or we rob God. Which one are we going to do? Next Sunday morning is going to be the last message in this spirit-filled stewardship campaign that we've been doing. It's going to be the last one in this series. Our ministry team and the leadership team have spent months bringing a very ambitious vision for the future to this church. Greg Kaufman has led that all the way through, and it has not been an easy journey in a whole lot of respects, but it has been something that we truly believe has been inspired by 
God. It is a very ambitious vision for the future. There's still more of that vision to come. But this spirit-filled vision simply cannot be done without our commitment and without the service of our people. So I'm going to be asking for four commitments in this. First, I'm going to be asking everyone to pray at least once a week for our church, its ministries, and its leaders during the course of the next year. Then from now until the next year at this same time, I'm asking you to take at least one time during the course of the week and pray for your church, for its ministries, and for its leaders, and for what we're trying to do in the future. Wish everybody would pray every day for that, but I'm asking you to commit to do it at least once a week. Second, I'm going to ask you to invite at least one person to come to worship at, at our church or to come to some other event that we're doing during the course of the next year preferably between now and Easter, but at least the next year. Now, they may not come. You're not in control of that, but I want us to take the opportunity to invite somebody to come and be part of our church. Third, I want us to ask a question. How can I invest my time, my talents, and my gifts for God in this next year? What can I be doing that I may not be doing now? And fourth, we're going to ask everyone to grow one step on that chart that Bob had for you just a little while ago. We can't do what we're doing without financial support. I'm asking you to look at where you are and grow one step in that over the next year. We believe this vision that we are chasing is inspired by God, but even a spirit-filled vision requires commitment. So I'm asking for four levels of commitment, and they're not hard levels of commitment, but they're important levels of commitment. Then next week, we're going to celebrate all of this process by rewarding everybody, including me. We're going to have a banquet next week where we're all going to get together, and we're going to have a professionally catered meal, and we're going to enjoy ourselves and have a very good time because reward is part of what commitment is about. And I'm asking everyone here to do one more thing. Come to the unified service at 11 o'clock next week. Every time we have one of these, some people say, well, it's not my service, I'm not going. It is your church and we are a family. Come to the unified service next week. The bottom line of all of this is God wants us to count for his kingdom and we can't do that just by doing the bare minimum. The one talent guy didn't lose his master's money that the master had given him. He just kept it like it was, and the master was furious. Why? Because the goal of the Christian life isn't to keep everything just like it is. The goal of the Christian life is growth and movement and investment and expansion. Keeping the status quo for Jesus isn't good enough. God wants us to invest so we can build the future that he's trying to inspire through our church. And the key to finding those blessings is a committed faith. Let's bring our hearts to Jesus today and let's have faith that God will bless what he offers, what we offer him. Let's pray together. Lord, I ask you to come and bless what we are trying to do here. I ask you to bless us in our personal lives, to bless us as a church, to bless us in our efforts of faith, to bless the gifts that we bring to you and to help us to be willing to bring those gifts with open hearts, open minds, and with love and grace. Lord, the first gift that we can bring you that will thrill you more than anything is the gift of our hearts. Help us to be willing to come to you and say, Lord, I know that I need you in my life. 
I am asking you to come and live within me today. Fill my heart with your presence and with your grace and help me to know that I am forgiven of all of my past and I am offered a new way of living for the future. Help me, Lord, to be yours this day and every day with everything I have. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Lord, I ask you to hold on to us now and forevermore. Help us to want to hold on to you. Help us to want to make your body as strong as it can be. Help us to want to make our, our love for others and our witness to the world as strong as it can be. Help us to be thankful for the gifts that we have been given. Help us to want to give our gifts to the world in your name. Inspire us, O oh Lord, to be the best we can be for the one who loves us more than life and to the one who has promised that you will never let go of our hearts and our souls. Thank you for this day, O oh Lord. Now may the Lord bless and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and give you peace this day and every day, now and forevermore. Amen.